it's over That's the time I fall in love again Well, it's time for episode 63 of Three Point Podcast, Sports and Pop Culture, coming at you from three different generations. I'm Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio, representing the Baby Boomers. Gen Xer Matt Burns checks in from ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he's our social media maestro. Our millennial viewpoints will be coming from Jared Fatel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. We're here every week thanks to our partners, Advanced Elevator Company, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and the Corona Public Schools. We're going to get it rolling right after these messages from our Three Point Podcast partners. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys. So as you know, I, I love to make comparisons. The last time Michigan lost to Michigan State, I compared it to getting a butt put on my face. This time, let me just tell you a story, okay? So last night I was out of town in Grand Rapids at the Bob here. Uh, Matt, have you ever gone there when you lived in Grand Rapids? Oh, oh yeah. Went to the Bob a lot. So it's an awesome bar. Three stories. You go to the top uh, of the club looking over downtown Grand Rapids. It's like a nightclub called Eve. So I go up there, and I'm, I start dancing with this girl. You know, things are... Uh, progressing and she notices that my drink is empty so she says she offers to buy me a drink and i thought wow this is awesome you know maybe chivalry like is that you know maybe like woman empowerment that things are changing here girls are shooting their shots so we walk up to uh the bar and at this point this was similar to like when michigan came out firing all right iggy has 12 points right off the bat jordan pool's hitting shots winston starts off one for eight just looks absolutely atrocious so we go to uh the bar order two drinks uh 16 total they are definitely very expensive. Water, of course. She goes, oh, shoot, I forgot my wallet in my friend's purse. <laughs> so I, 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 a gentleman, I, a gentleman, understand the mistake uh, and pay for the drinks. And as I'm writing down the tip on the bartender's, um, like on the receipt, $4, 20%, by the way. That's cool. Not to brag, not to brag. I spin around, and I'm not shitting you. She was dancing with the guy 30 seconds after I bought this drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let me backtrack so when i found out she didn't have money i knew something was up all right this was like when michigan state only goes into halftime down by six even with foster lawyer playing seven minutes and cassius winston playing absolutely atrocious michigan state having 12 turnovers at the half and yet they're only down six points so i see that she's dancing with this guy and i had just i felt you guys know like lloyd christmas in dumb and dumber when he sees uh mary swanson like hanging out with harry and he's like choked up he like cannot like he's just crying that's how i felt looking at this and it was the same feeling i had in the second half watching 
Cassius Winston, Bob Cousy, and Globetrotter, the <laughs> Michigan team, just embarrass everyone. And dishing it off to Mamakwe for the dunk, they go on a 25 to four run. So to summarize, guys, how I felt watching this game was similar to how one might feel after getting completely tricked and swindled by a girl, and that same girl going and dancing with the guy, probably her boyfriend. Now that I think about it, no more than 30 seconds later. I almost had to tip my cap. It was such a, like, I mean, it was, it was she she pulled it off. I mean, she tricked me 100%. She saw a, a guy, a lonely guy in the bar, you know, standing in the a wallflower on the wall. She picked it out. She noticed it, and she exploited it. That's an unbelievable move. I mean, I'm sitting here kind of uh, – <laughs> In, in in amazement <laughs> if she actually if she actually had a boyfriend there and pulled that move kudos to her i want to hire her for sales oh i definitely some of my friends like girlfriends friends that are girls not necessarily girlfriends have done they do that I've, I've had friends tell me that they will go to the bar and basically do what what happened to jared wow they'll swindle the lonely guys that look like they want to Buy a girl a drink and then getting a drink and then and then claim you don't have your purse and then the right. guy ends up buying it. Man, that's that is classic. I guess that's a lesson. <laughs> that's a lesson learned for the young fellow, right, Jared? It was a lesson learned. I just my only regret. I wish I would have just went and snatched that drink right out of her hands. <laughs> but it's just like it honestly, it, it almost like paled in comparison, like to how I felt watching Michigan. I mean, they they teased us, just similar to the bar story. Like I had, you know, someone's about to pay for my drink. You know, things are really cooking here. They teased us in that first half. Iggy was the only player who showed up the entire game. I mean, he only played 22 minutes due to foul trouble, but he had 20 points on 7 of 12 shooting, 3 for 3 from the three-point line. Like, he's the only guy that showed. And it's just for some odd reason. I don't know what you guys thought, but we had our, our foot on their neck, okay? They were down by 10 with maybe five, six minutes left in the second half. Cassius Winston was on the bench. Foster Lawyer, like I mentioned, played seven minutes. And for some reason, we had Eli Brooks out there. Iggy was just sitting. I know he was in foul trouble. But at that point, you just got to – just kind of like put put your like what is the thing with jugular like just go for the jugular go for the jugular right? Right. go for the ju- you have to go for the jugular in that in that scenario because it's the hardest lead to keep in basketball is an early lead like Michigan had. Do you did you see any real uh, real point of that second half where the, the tide turned? I know Tillman he just seemed to really step up, but I can't in my mind remember in the game where where all the momentum all of a sudden went back to the Spartans. To be honest, I feel like. I- and I kind of remember it vividly. I'm sure you guys will, too. I think Michigan State had already gotten the lead, but it was still only like a one- or two-point game. Right. But Cassius Winston came down and banked in a three. Oh, yeah. Like like the Breslin was already, like the student section was already into it. You know, the tide had started to turn a little bit, the you know momentum. He banked in a three, and I feel like that was in the middle of that 20-2 to two run. And, you know, he started rolling. That's one problem. Maybe it's because he's a true freshman, but that's one problem right now with Iggy. You know, he gets off to those hot starts sometimes, you know, early in the game. And then he just, I don't know if the foul trouble kind of messed up his flow, but, you know, he kind of, second half, I almost feel like he wasn't even getting a shot. So, you know, maybe that's something, you know, hopefully he comes back for a year or two. You know, he'll kind of grow in that sense and, uh, you know, start taking over some games. Because, yeah, he came out, I mean, I thought he might drop 25, 30 points the way he started the game off. So this is exactly what happened. You, you. Ted, you mentioned like what was the moment when it switched. Right. You mentioned like the Cassius Winston three. I'm not joking. I went to the bathroom <laughs> and came out, and Michigan was losing by like ten. Like it was like in a snap of the finger. You must they, have had a number two going there, huh? <laughs> it was. It was like yeah, it was a number two uh, TMI. <laughs> but, but the thing is, it was like oh, we're so bad on offense. Literally, we had eight less turnovers than them. Took thirteen more shots, and yet we only muster up sixty three points. 
Just it's a complete joke. I've never seen a beeline team this piss poor on offense. Well, let's break it down. I mean, you know, here we are getting ready for March, and I think you're bringing up some outstanding points, and we're seeing it. Uh, just for example, for these two teams, they both have excellent records. They're both going to get high seeds in the tournament. Michigan State has a go-to guy in Winston. Who does who does Michigan have as their go-to guy when it's crunch time? When you got to get it going, do they have anybody on the offensive end that can do that? Or you feel confident that can do that? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I've been saying all year. I feel like I've been like a broken record type of thing. I feel like I've said it a bunch of times. That's the biggest thing that they're missing, like just specifically from last year's team with Mo Wagner and Muhammad Abdul Ali Rockman, uh, him leaving. You know, those two guys last year, they were go-to guys. Right. You could give the ball to Mar, you could give the ball to Wagner, and they would take over a game. And like I said, Iggy, I feel like if he comes back for another year or two, I think he will turn into that player. But Poole, he's just so erratic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a great spot-up shooter, but when he starts like doing one-on-one moves, yeah, he's got some moves. But, you know, it's just kind of erratic. Matthews was at the beginning of the year, but obviously now he's hurt, and he kind of lost his offensive rhythm too. So, you know, I think that's the biggest problem. As much as I like Xavier Simpson, and he's, he's a very good, he's a great college point guard, his limited scoring ability really limits the offense. Because if you go back to even like Darius Morris days in the early beeline days, he went from Darius Morris to Trey Burke to Derek Walton, those three point guards were great, and they were also like great scorers. You could give the ball to those three point guards, and they would get you a bucket. Xavier Simpson, not necessarily. Like I know we all love that hook shot, and you know he once in a while knocks down a three, but he got blocked at the rim yesterday by Tillman and by Goins at least five times. It seems like he was getting to the rack, and he was getting blocked at the rim, whereas Cassius Winston was getting to the rack and he was converting. So he's a great college point guard. But his, you know, him not being able to score, you can see the difference between this team and in the last few years, you know, during Beeline's run with these great point guards. Um, yeah, it was literally like Xavier Tillman was like the Kembe Matumbo out here. He had five <laughs> shots, five block shots, Matt. And Xavier Simpson, like, like you said, he was horrible yesterday. Three of thirteen, six points, five assists, two turnovers. Talk about just like a complete one eighty from the previous time these two teams played. I don't know where he went, but Cassius Winston just like prove yet again that he's the best point guard in the in the Big Ten. And I hate to say that because I don't like him. I don't like complimenting Michigan State in the slightest at all, but it's just the truth. He proved it yet again. Uh, he might be first-team All-American point guard. He's, he's that good. He could be, and he deserves it. He deserves to be a Big Ten player there at least. And Yeah, he might be first-team All-American because he's – I mean, these are the games that when – you know, Langford was down, he was taken over, but they still had Nick Ward for a while. Then when, when Ward went down, it was kind of like, you know, who, who is Michigan State going to go to? Are they really going to, you know, like put the ball in McQuaid's hands? McQuaid is a good player, but he's not necessarily like a take-over-the-game type of player. Cassius Winston stepped up, and he's been the best player in the Big Ten. You can't do anything but tip your cap to him because, like you said, Jared, early on, he, he was bad in the first half. I mean, he ended up going to the bench, too, with uh, foul trouble. And it was starting to look like, oh, man, this is another one of those Cassius Winston versus Xavier Simpson games where Winston looks like he's not going to have a good game. He came out firing in the second half, and, I mean, he, he took over that game, and, and you saw what happened because when he was rolling, that whole team was rolling. Well, and here's what I want to throw out on the table, too, and I, it, we've talked about it before. When you watch that game and when you watch whichever team's going to win, which this year obviously has been Michigan State, you got to look at the leadership. And, and you have your point guard, Cassius Winston, 
obviously he was the leader on the floor. And guys, you know, you've heard me talk about it before. You got to admit, Tom Izzo has played it perfectly this season. Let me throw this out there for you guys. You know, we always encourage uh, participation from our pod listeners, and we like you to tweet us at Three Point Pod. We had uh, this is like Spartan fan at Sparty Basketball with one L at the end. You know, we were talking about uh, Izzo, and he said, "Crazy to say, but Izzo is better coaching a team like this year's team than coaching a team like last year." You know, with the one and done players. Some of his worst years, I feel, have been with his most talent since 01. Now, that's from one of our listeners. What do you guys think about that with the job Izzo has done with this type of team compared to last year with, you know, Bridges and uh, Jackson and the whole other deal? Let me just say, he hasn't done shit yet this year. Okay, we saw it last year. At the same point last year, they were Big Ten champions just like they are right now. And what? A, and now we look at that season as a complete failure because they lost in the tournament. Like, we'll see come March. Obviously, he won the regular season March matchup. But we'll see in the next few weeks here. He's got to prove it to me still. Well, what about the what about the overall job this season? Not just talking about the two games against Michigan. Give him credit because he lost two of his three best players in Langford and Ward. But the thing about Langford, he's basically been out the whole season. So while that's like it's still a loss and it's still like a footnote, they basically had haven't had him all year. So that doesn't really affect it to me. But I think he is maybe better with the players. You know, he's got the go-to, like we just said, the go-to probably Big Ten player there in Cassius Winston that you can just, like, rely on. But then the rest of the players are, like, grinders. I mean, like, Kenny Goins comes out of nowhere the last two or three weeks, and he's looking like a, a great player. And Tillman, too. You know, McQuaid's been a great role player all year. So maybe that's the kind of team that he has to roll with because when he's got, you know, last year he had – he had like two lottery picks on his team in Jackson and Bridges, and he couldn't figure it out, couldn't get out of the second round. So, And it is funny to me, to Jared's point, like right now, obviously, Michigan State, they swept Michigan this year. They won two games, you know, and that's great. They won a share of the Big Ten. But it is funny to see like the Spartan fans, because, right, they won the Big Ten regular season last year, and then Michigan beat them in the tournament and won the Big Ten tournament and went to the national championship game. Michigan State gets knocked out in the second round. So, like, what what is Izzo going to do now without the home cooking, without playing at Breslin, without those Big Ten refs? That's the thing to me, because if he can go into March, go and make make a little bit of run in the Big Ten tournament, get to the second weekend in the uh, NCAA tournament, then that actually proves that he's he's coached this team into something more than just a share of the regular season Big Ten. All right, let me read let me read this room for one second here. Let's see, we got Jared, the youngster, the millennial. Uh, a basketball fan for sure, but he's 100% Michigan, right, Jared? Is that what you would say? Yes. You... I, I've actually described my fandom as I don't necessarily like Michigan. I just really, really hate Michigan State. Yeah, we, and we've talked about that, and it comes through loud and clear. Matt, on the other hand, also a Michigan lover, loves Michigan basketball, but he softens it a little bit when you break it down. You do look at it logically where Jared's hate overrides everything else. <laughs> Matt, at least you throw a Matt, you throw a few bones out there at Michigan State. Now, me, I really, truly, guys, I've said it before. I know you probably think it's complete BS. I'm not upset today. I watched a great basketball game. I give 100% credit to Michigan State. I think Izzo outcoached Beeline yesterday. I think Izzo, for this kind of team, without the one and dunners, I really do agree he is at his best. And, and that's how I see it here. See, like, I, I've, I've seen some other people say that, too. I think the first game, I mean, Beeline even said that the first game against Michigan State, they ran a defense that Beeline and his staff basically had never seen on tape before, the intensity and the schemes. So that, I think, can definitely be attributed to coaching. Mm-hmm. I think yesterday Michigan State just 
played a lot better in the second half than Michigan. I don't necessarily put that on Izzo out-coaching Beeline. I think both coaches did a good job. Winston just took over the game, and Michigan couldn't find their offense in the second half. Now, I, like one thing that I do think, you know, you can admit that Izzo is a great coach. You can admit that Beeline is a great coach, or, you know, whatever the situation is, and still offer criticism and, and not be a hater. I feel like people, like if you offer one sort of criticism about Beeline or Izzo or something like that, it's just like, oh, you're a hater. If you offer one little thing about Izzo, that might be a criticism. Oh, it's just you're a Michigan fan. You're just a hater. Well, no, I, I can admit he's a great coach. He's a Hall of Famer. But I do think that he's lost his touch a little bit when it comes to postseason play because I'm not sitting here saying that the referees lost the game. Michigan lost the game. They didn't play well in the second half. But when you see a 30-7 to free throw attempt advantage towards Michigan State, I mean, he gets home cooking when he's at Breslin Center. There's no doubt about it. When you see some of those calls yesterday that Michigan State was getting, he gets a little bit of home cooking. And then when he goes to the tournament and doesn't have those Big Ten refs, he gets beat in the second round by Middle Tennessee State and Syracuse. Ted, are you, you're calling me the one that's just so far to the left on hating Michigan State. I'm not the one sitting here, and yet we have Matt sitting here saying that's the refs. Matt's a clause that like, Michigan State hater. I, I put it out on the forefront. <laughs> you, Matt, you honestly think that it, it was the refs, that the refs did not call a fair game last night? Because what I saw was just Michigan, which we've seen time and time again, just probably the worst team, worst offensive team in mankind. No, I, I said it was not the refs. I mean, I threw out the free throw attempt advantage to Michigan State, but I mean, I specifically said it was not the refs, that Michigan just didn't play well in the second half. I think it was definitely a factor, though. I mean, when you look at that travel call on Teske, when you look at that foul call on Lawyer when he just fell because he looked like he didn't know how to dribble, two of the plays that Iggy got called a foul on were definitely ticky-tack. So, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying the refs won the game for Michigan State or that Izzo is a terrible coach. He gets home cooking at Breslin. What I will say to that is, I mean, Foster Lawyer, whether you're bailing about foul calls, if he's on the floor, he had zero turnovers on the day. Like that, that just—that was all I needed. If you would have showed me that stat line, that Foster Lawyer is going to play seven minutes and he's going to have zero turnovers, I would have told you right then and there we're going to lose this game. Yeah, I was even—I was actually surprised he even got in the game. But I guess uh, the way the game was going dictated it. But he, you know, like you said, zero turnovers. Kudos. Yeah, and I mean that's what he has to do when he comes in because. You know, Winston obviously is the guy. He's the guy for that team. But, you know, when he gets in a little foul trouble or if he needs a breather, they need a guy to come in, you know, a backup point guard to come in and run the offense. Basically, just don't turn it over. Don't screw it up. When Winston's on the bench, lawyer, go in there and don't screw it up. And, yeah, he did that yesterday, you know, uh, for Michigan State. And that's one thing, like, it's kind of what I was saying about – criticizing Izzo and not being a hater. Like, you can criticize people and still say that they're great. I still think Beeline is, you know, one of the best coaches in the country. But I can I can recognize that I, I wish he would have got his bench more minutes early in the season so that they were more ready to go around this time of year. Because in the first half, with Livers being in foul trouble, with Iggy being in foul trouble, and Simpson even sat down for a bit, the Julius came in, Castleton came in, even Brooks came in and hit a shot. You know, like the bench came in and played pretty well for Michigan. Michigan was up six at half with their bench getting a lot of minutes. And then we basically didn't see those guys the whole second half. And I know, like, you're going to roll with your starters, but I wish, you know, you got to at some point trust your bench. I mean, they're there. They, they, some of them might be true freshmen, but you've got to give them a chance to prove themselves because, I mean, you, you need to rely on them at some point. So that that's one criticism I have of Beeline. I wish early on in the season he would have got his bench more run so around this time of year they'd be more ready to go. Matt, you were mentioning, like, Foster Lawyer 
um, how he's out there basically not to screw up. I kind of like Foster Lawyer because he reminds me a lot of myself in high school. Same exact thought process as you just walked through. Just go out there, don't screw up, don't turn it over. Ted, I'm, I'm, are you are you familiar with the, the term like a club trillion member? No, fill me in. So what that is is when a player goes in and plays one minute and has zeros across the board ah. of like – like zero points, like it basically as if they were not even existent in the game, and that, like you said, like we're out here. We were giving everyone a spin last night, just on this bench. Everyone, Brandon Johns, three personal fouls, twenty, like thirteen minutes played, zero points, over one shooting, just absolutely terrible showing from him as a freshman. And like we got guys like Adrian Nunes playing a minute, and he recorded a trillion, <laughs> one minute played, zero zeros across the board. There's nowhere we can go, Matt. I, I get your point where you wish that we would have seen them get developed, but I honestly don't think there's anything to work with there. I mean, there better be, because those are going to be the guys that uh, are going to be taking over the team, so there better be something there. Well, I mean, I think DeJulius is definitely going to be a great point guard. You can see, you know, he's raw. He's a true freshman. He makes, you know, some like aggressive mistakes. He's trying to score, but uh, there better be something there, because uh, those are the guys that Michigan's going to have to go with. Well, he's one of the guys. They may need him in the tournament, you know. I mean, he may need to step up a little bit. Yeah, and I think because I think he looks like he's going to be more of a scoring point guard. He's going to be back to the Waltonburg-Morris right. days for Beeline as a point guard. Because Simpson, like he's he's great. And, you know, he can drive. He can finish at the cup. But, I mean, like you said, he got blocked five times or whatever at the rim. And and then you're watching Cassius Winston get and ones and finish at the rim and carry them to a 20-2 to two run. You know, I think Simpson, as great as he is defensively and everything, he limits the offense a little bit, I think. Yeah, he's a liability for sure on offense. Hey, I want to keep it on the topic of Michigan-Michigan State and also look at the Big Ten tournament and uh, the big dance, but I want to take a quick little break here and tell our listeners about Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Everybody knows March Madness is coming up, so head on over to Rivals Tap House and Grill. Check out the action on their 21 flat screens and 120-inch big screen. And they got a couple of big events coming up on March 16th, Cornhole Tournament to benefit Alzheimer's Association. That's an 11 a.m. registration with a 12 noon start. Also, Rivals will open at 10 a.m. the next morning. I don't know. Jared might be recovered by then. Huge St. Patrick's Day party. Green kegs and bags. Cornhole tournament. 10 a.m. registration. 11 a.m. the cornhole games start. The bags start flying. And stick around for selection Sunday. And make sure you play our free Rivals three-point podcast bracket challenge. Our neighborhood friends, Rivals Tap House and Grill. Well, sliding into the tournament, the Big Ten tournament, do uh, uh, you think Michigan will be able to regroup? And what do you think their chances are moving forward here? I like their chances in the Big Ten tournament just because I honestly don't think the Big Ten is that good this year. And as we've seen before, I mean, we've had a lot of success in the Big Ten tournament in years past. But it's just Michigan State. I mean, all roads lead to Michigan State, and we've just seen they have our number. It's just all roads lead to Cassius Winston out here globetrottering our team. All roads lead to Matt McQuaid slamming dunks and drilling threes. I just I, I want to avoid that game because we all know what's going to happen if we end up facing them again. No. We just have no answers. We have no answers. It's tough to beat a team three times in a season. But, yeah, if they, if they match up again, I mean, it'd be hard not to think Michigan State's going to win because of the way that they've won the first two games. But, I mean, I think Michigan has as good a chance as anyone. I mean, even looking outside the Big Ten, no team has, like, truly taken over the the country as far as, you know, college basketball goes. Like, with Zion going down and UNC has been a little iffy, Virginia. I mean, Michigan State with the injuries, you don't really know how they're going to go into the tournament and play. So, I think Michigan has as good a chance as, you know, 
five, six, seven teams out there. Yeah, it kind of depends on the draw and back to the Big Ten tournament. You know, I mean, at least it's a neutral site, you know, in Chicago. Uh, you won't have the home cooking of the Braz. You know, that place, by the way, you can say what you will about Michigan and the maze and all that, and they've really improved their, uh, you know, their their atmosphere down there at Chrysler with moving the students down closer to the court. But, man, it's tough to beat Breslin when there's a game like that going on. Even Dockich was saying that was the most electric atmosphere he's been around all season long. Especially when, when they were going on that run in the second half. So, you know, it's going to be tough. But, I mean, I think Michigan, one thing about them is, Michigan State has kind of exposed their defense a little bit, mostly Cassius Winston, but they they are one of the best defensive teams in the country, and I think that's one thing that you can hang your hat on come tournament time when you might have, you know, just like a day or, you know, a night or whatever to turn around and play another team. You can just hang your hat on that defense and hope, hope I guess, that Poole or, you know, Matthews is healthy or, you know, Teske comes out and has a better game and they actually score some points. The thing that just with Michigan is, I mean, I feel like there's, there's like the, the ceiling's like pretty low for this team. You know, I mean, I don't think they're a national title contender. I mean, when your offense is as terrible as they are, there's only so far. Like, you run into one hot team in the tournament, you're going to lose. But one thing I want to say about Tom Izzo is he, he does know how to coach point guards. I mean, it's like they, they had, uh, like, Mateen Cleaves is there, and he's talking after the game saying how this is like a point guard heaven, like at Michigan State under Tom Izzo. And that is one thing that he's always been able to do. I mean, with, like, Mateen Cleaves, uh, Keith Appling, uh, Drew Neitzel, and obviously, like Cassius Winston. So I will say, I, I tip my cap to his like point guard development. Yeah, and I was also going to throw out here, guys, looking ahead, okay, you know they're going to be getting Nick Ward back at some time, some point here. It's going to be really interesting to watch how Tom Izzo puts his game plan together. Is he going to try to go back to uh, you know Spartan basketball like it was when Nick Ward was starting? Is he going to realize, you know what, Tillman and some of these other guys, we've really we've really bonded and really have got a nice role going. Does he put Nick Ward now into more of a situational type of thing? I mean, being honest, I think I said it a few weeks ago when, when Ward went down, maybe before the first uh, Michigan-Michigan State game, I think they're better without Nick Ward on offense. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. He's like a double-double-a-night type of player. You you know, you can't like necessarily replace that. Well, you got to play him. He is healthy. He's really good to go. He, he's you know, 100%, then, yeah, you're going to play him. But, yeah, I think Goins and Tillman out there give them a lot more versatility on offense. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see if, if he just goes right back into the starting lineup or, yeah, if he comes in, you know, off the bench kind of as a six-man type of thing because he's been a great player for Michigan State, you know, so it's not like they're just not going to play him. Do Are we unanimous? I think – I don't think Tom Izzo is going to listen to me, but – I think. Why wouldn't he listen to you? <laughs> That's true. I'm I'm still perfect. My record's perfect as a broadcaster. Well, you're no Hondo. Your hot takes so. picking Michigan State. <laughs> yeah, two in a row. Yeah, I will say this. I will be. He's definitely making the right move if he brings Ward off the bench the rest of the way. Yeah, I think the I think the best thing would be to just so Thomas Kithier plays. He's averaging like eight or nine minutes a game since Ward's been out. Just slide those minutes to Ward. I think it would be the smart thing to do. But I do have my fingers crossed, and I said this before. I would give my my wrist to Nick Ward if he suited up. Like I, I would go into surgery and I would donate donate to him like a liver or like a heart, just to get him out on the floor because that's like where Izzo kind of overanalyzes stuff, and like you see with Syracuse last year, just kind of almost overcoaches and just falls back into his old ways. Yeah. Well, I do take exception with one one take you have had for the last two or three weeks. I think Kithier. I think he can give them a few few minutes every single game and not embarrass himself. I think he's a pretty solid player. I think Jared just doesn't like white basketball players. I think that's part of it. 
No, I've said that I like Matt McQuaid. Am yeah. I, I've said that multiple times, and I just said earlier that I, I like Foster Lawyer because he reminds me of myself. Yeah, well, that's the first time you've said that all year, but yeah, I know you like uh, McQuaid's, you like the cut of his jib. I do. I mean, it's just, he has a way <laughs> of just making some electric play. I mean, that slam dunk to just absolutely ice the cake. And the, I mean, it just that's such a McQuaid play. Well, let's break that down for one second, too. You know, there was a lot of fun being made about how the Wolverines got globetrottered by Winston, and they certainly did. But that pass and then that finish, I mean, that that was one of the best plays I've seen all year. It was a great play. Like, I don't know if Michigan was trying to foul, but, like, there there was probably two or three times they could have called a foul on that play because it, it seemed Definitely. like Michigan was trying to follow him. But, but, yeah, for him to just, like, weave through – the whole defense, and then McQuaid is just sitting there all alone under the hoop. And he found almost him. like It's almost like when that girl stole a drink from Jared, basically. <laughs> it was almost that kind of feeling. I, I tweeted this out earlier, but if you're Michigan, if I, and if I'm the coaching staff and I'm trying to motivate these guys, put that video on loop in the locker rooms and all across the, the, like the facilities. I mean, if getting globetrottered <laughs> by your biggest rival doesn't motivate you, then what, what, what will? What, what term do you like better? Gear? What term do you like better, globetrotter or Bob Cousy? I, I think I like the Bob Cousy. <laughs> uh, the only thing that made me sicker to my stomach, Matt, uh, was watching them kiss the floor afterward oh. on senior night. The work, was, and fun fact, Sean gonna, Rusper started that. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that. That's that's definitely Michigan State's like senior night tradition. Uh, what do you think about that? Because they, you know, they always stop the, the game. There's always still time left on the clock when they do it. Is that cool, or is it kind of, especially when it's against Michigan, is it a little bit of a like shot in the gut of who they're playing? Like, hey, let's call a timeout and wait two minutes while these guys kiss the floor and then wave to the fans. Is it a little bit of a shot, you know, at their opponent? Or uh, do you guys like it? I, I mean, if you get globetrottered, like, it's almost like you just got to take your whipping at that point. Let them kiss the floor right in front of you. I, I would mean, hate embarrass it. embarrass the entire fan base. Matt, let me ask you this. Did you do that as a senior in high school on the basketball team? No. I mean, really? well, we, our last game we lost was at the Breslin Center, playing in well, the semifinals. But no, I did not kiss the floor. I would, I would not kiss that Spartan uh, at midcourt at the Breslin Center. And I'll just jump in. I mean, I it's been a tradition at Michigan State. Uh, I'm all about college and tradition stuff. I would hate it if I'm the opponent, but I'm okay with it. They've been doing it forever. I like that better than when they hand slap the floor. Oh, the, the floor slap has definitely played out. I don't know why they do it, but so is it just a basketball thing? Because like, I, what if they did it in football? I, they don't really do a senior night necessarily in football. Not the same way basketball does, but you know, what if what if play, they they call the timeout in football? Had players go out to midfield and like kiss the logo at midfield? Yeah. Is it kind of more just a basketball it's, thing? It's a basketball thing, and I I don't know. Is Michigan State the only school that does that? It's spread to all. I mean, I know a lot of high schoolers do it now, and. I feel like it's spread across the entire country. It's just kind of crazy that Michigan State started that. But the thing I want to get your guys' thoughts on, what did you think of the waffle guy in the crowd? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, thank goodness Matt wasn't producing the production there. Because <laughs> I, was, I was yelling at the TV, and I did notice on Twitter it was blowing up. What? Get this waffle guy off the screen. I mean, they did a split screen on the dude. Yeah, it is kind of funny to know, like, the behind-the-scenes of how these productions work. And, like, just leading into the game, Michigan, that game was after the UNC-Duke game. The UNC-Duke game was going long, so the Michigan-Michigan State game started on E! News. And I saw a bunch of people, like, on Twitter, like, get UNC-Duke off my TV. I want to watch Michigan. And it's just like, it's at the bottom line. Like, just go to E! News, 
the game is going to start there, and then it'll then it'll move over to E1 when everything with UNC Duke wraps up. Well, let, let me jump in real quick. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think everybody that has ESPN has ESPN News. <laughs> I knew Ted was going to have a problem with that. And, yeah, and I, I, but, but, hold on, hold on a minute. I didn't have a problem with what happened because I was watching ESPN. Yeah, I was going, come on, get these interviews off. But at least they split screen and they started the tip. We had the tip and could see Michigan State, Michigan. It went to be about 5 nothing on the split screen, and then, they, then it finally went to the Michigan-Michigan State game. So I had no problem with that. Yeah, and they're going to tie off their production. I mean, it's UNC Duke. They're not going to. Oh, I get it. They're not going to go away from that game and not interview coaches or players or whatever. So, I mean, and it's on the ESPN app also. So, if you want to watch on the app, you can watch the whole thing there. So, it's just like people that think that, that don't think about the TV production that goes into it. Same with the Waffle Guy that Jared brought up. I mean, I don't like I said. I don't know if. This guy had a tie to the university. He's obviously a student, probably, or a tie to the program. You know, I don't know what the tie-in was there, but whoever was producing the game must have thought it was funny. Must have, must, must have thought it was something that people would talk about on you know social media, which worked. So they did a split screen with this waffle guy for like two minutes. Maybe it was a little much, but oh yeah. No. Um, do you get input? I mean, do you hear in the in the in the offices there? Will you hear something tomorrow about that? Yeah, I mean, if if you're part of that production, I mean, I personally won't because I wasn't working on that game. But if you were part of that production, you would definitely. There's always post meetings, either the night of or the day after, where they go through everything you did during a game, and you know whether good or bad, and talk about that. So I'm I'm sure that will definitely be one thing that comes up because, I mean, it was up for what a good two or three minutes. Well, two or three minutes. Waffle kid. Yeah, and I just I, I gosh, we're we're beating the heck out of the waffle kid. We're giving more time here than he was on air. Uh, just a question I have is, though, will in, internally, will somebody say to him, man, what was the reason you kept him on so long? I mean, would you ever catch wind of any, you know, in-house uh, rumor stuff when it comes to that, or they just take care of it and move on? Uh, I mean, partly just take care of it and move on. But if it became, like, a big deal, like if it was, you know, in the national championship game or, you know, right. something that kind of ruined a production or really was a huge deal, then, yeah, we'd all find out about it because they'd probably send out emails and be like, don't do this, you know, <laughs> or something like that. But I'm sure the CP, the coordinating producer, is talking to that producer and, like, why did you guys decide to split-screen this kid for two minutes? The producer better have a good reason. And then would you also, this is, again, trying to dig, dig deep into ESPN and how things are put together, mm-hmm. if there was a special reason, let's say he was he's this year's valedictorian or something, we talked about that off-air, wouldn't, wouldn't they be talking to the uh, the play-by-play guy, or you know, let them know what's going on, so they at least could let the list the viewers know what's happening? Yeah, and I mean that's there. There's a talkback channel, and that's where the play-by-play and the color people can talk to the director and uh, the producer of the game. Like if they see something funny in the stand, they can on the talkback channel say like, "Hey, look at this dude with a waffle on his head. Let's show him." Right. Or if on the broadcast, Dockett or whoever's calling the game starts talking about, "Hey, I see this kid up in the student section. He's wearing a waffle head." The people behind the scenes, you know, the director will tell the camera guy, "Hey, what, camera five, go get the kid in the student section with a waffle on his head." So they go get a camera on the kid, and then if Dockett or whoever's still talking about the waffle, or if he's telling the producer, "Get that waffle kid," then there's definitely a conversation okay. there where they try and feed off each other and see what uh, the, the play-by-play and the color people are talking about. Well, again, I'm trying to paint a picture for maybe people that are unaware of how productions are put together, and you, you explained that perfectly. Now, I, for my own knowledge, so if, if Dockett is sitting there, does he actually push a button that's the, the button that he can talk to the, the, the uh, truck? How's that work? Yeah. Yeah, so there, I mean, obviously what he's saying over the air, the producer and everyone can hear. Right. But if he wants to say something 
to the producer and director that doesn't go out over air. He does have a talkback button where he could okay. hit that button and say, hey, I saw a kid up in the student section wearing a waffle on his head. Let's let's talk about him or, you know, whatever it is. Or, like, me being behind the scenes, like, building the packages and all the video. Mm-hmm. If the guy starts saying, like, man, Matt McQuaid is really closing out on Jordan Poole every time he shoots a three. Every time Jordan Poole shoots, Matt McQuaid is really closing out on that. The producer would call me and say, like, hey, Dockage is talking about Matt McQuaid's defense. Start putting together some video of Matt McQuaid playing defense. So, uh-huh. so that kind of stuff happens, too, when, when it comes to the production. Have you, so have you ever done a Michigan or Michigan State game and been like sort of biased, like maybe playing a lot of Michigan highlights? Is that something <laughs> that you deal with? Or is that something uh, that's a Yes, definitely. All? I mean, I did, two, I did three Michigan games this year early in the season, and uh, I was definitely always pushing for more Michigan, pro-Michigan footage. But that was when they were on their – they started off 17-0, and so it, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not supposed to show your bias, but, you know, sometimes, whatever, we're all fans. Well, you bring up the number there, 17-0. and Do you think that may be uh, a little what we're seeing going on here where they peak too early and maybe Michigan State is peaking at the right time? That's what I think so. I was talking to a buddy, another Michigan fan that I work with, uh, about that. And and it goes back to what I was saying about Beeline getting some more minutes for his bench guys. Usually Michigan's teams, you know, lose a couple early on or maybe don't they, they don't start 17-0. and That was the best start ever for Michigan. So in those early season struggles or those games, the bench guys are getting minutes. So when it comes time for Big Ten play or February, March, some of those bench guys have, have already improved. Like last year, if you remember, like Teske was getting minutes early in the season and come late in the season, he was starting to come into form. Right. Or there's other guys like Karis LeVert when he was a freshman. By the time February, March came around, he was getting time early in the year. So when it got late in the season, he was ready to go. When Michigan was rolling 17-0, and I mean – the bench guys weren't really getting many minutes. It was basically Iggy, Matthews, Poole going off, you know, and Teske. So I think it's one of those things, like, yeah, maybe they peaked too early and, and the bench guys didn't get a whole lot of time to develop. Yeah, it, it's a textbook uh, uh, blowing on the load a little too soon. And <laughs> But, Matt, it's like we keep going back and forth on this bench thing. I mean, these guys, in the, I mean, we have one guy that's number 55. We have another guy whose last name is what? Castleton. We have... David DeJulius, who is maybe five foot nine, and we have Brandon Johns, who I don't think I've seen him score a single bucket all year. And I get what you're saying about Beeline. So I guess let me just okay, let me ask you this: Should Beeline be on the hot seat? How about that? Or the whole thing? <laughs> oh yeah. God, I, I thought I saw you tweeting out something about hot seat. I was going to reply and say you better sure as hell not be talking about Beeline being on the hot seat. No, that's what I mean. Beeline does not need to be on the hot seat. I think he's one of the best coaches in the country, but you can you can still criticize someone and say that they're a great coach or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm not sitting here saying, like, I I know more about coaching basketball than John Beeline because obviously that's not true. I just think about, like, what we were saying. The other years with Michigan, you saw guys on the bench getting time early in the year. So come February, March, tournament time, they were ready to go. I think you're kind of like with Kithier, like Ted was saying, you, you knocking Kithier a lot. I think you're – kind of knocking Michigan's bench a lot because since Castleton has started getting more minutes, he produces. Yeah, it's only six or seven minutes a night or whatever, but when he comes in, he produces. That game against Indiana a few weeks ago, Teske got in foul trouble and and Johns was getting minutes. He scored like 12 points and had eight rebounds. So, I mean, like, when they get their chance, they produce. And DeJulius, yeah, he's a true freshman, and he's, like, uber-aggressive, so sometimes he makes some mistakes like that. But, you know, he's aggressive. He can score. And he was—he should have been Michigan or Mr. Basketball last year in Michigan. So, like, 
these guys just need a chance to play. And when you only rely on your starting five, those times that you know your bench has to come in and produce, you know they might not be ready. You know, and when Jared made that comment about Beeline, I was in a train of thought. I wrote down two names, and it was DeJulius and Castleton, and it was along the same lines of what you were talking about. If if you look at it in hindsight, maybe Beeline this year, and again, I he's not on the hot seat. But if again, if you look at the year, if if you would have given them a little bit more playing time. You know, because I think they got the talent, and obviously Castleton has size and talent. They'd be better off right now. It's not saying that, like, if they would have got time early in the year, they would have, like, taken over the starting job and they'd be, like, all Big Ten. Like, obviously it's not that. But it'd be, like, to the point where if Livers yesterday or, you know, Iggy gets in foul trouble, you feel perfectly fine putting in Johns or putting in DeJulius and knowing that they'll be fine. But it seems like it is almost like a, oh, man, like, what do we do type of thing because you know we don't know what these kids can do when they get on the court and i think that was kind of it was it was happening to michigan state a little bit with lawyer because he was supposed to be the backup point guard obviously for winston and he wasn't getting much time at all early in the season I mean, he basically wasn't playing at all and i did see a presser i don't know a week or so ago i think it was after the indiana loss uh that michigan state had Izzo said that he should have played lawyer more and since that game it's only been a couple of games but since that game lawyer has gotten more time Anything else on Michigan, Michigan State? I just saw this stat. I, I, I like these kind of stats. There's there's a stat in college basketball. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called the Ken Palm. It's just like a stat they use to rank teams. It's kind of like the strength of schedule or the right. FBI or, you know, whatever. But there's a Ken Palm. And the stat is the Ken Palm began in 2002. Every NCAA tournament champion but one was in the top 20, both offensive and defensive efficiency. At the end of this regular season, there's eight teams. Virginia, Gonzaga, Duke, Michigan State, North Carolina, Michigan, Kentucky, and Houston. So if that trend continues, it's going to be one of those eight teams to win the national championship. So, mm-hmm. you know, you asked earlier, does Michigan or Michigan State have a shot? Yeah. Click it. That, it statistically there, you, you put it right on the table. You know, looking at the rest of uh, college basketball just briefly here, I mean, you know, UNC beat Duke again. Uh, you know, are we going to see Zion again this season? you think that there's any way that they're playing a little game to keep him on the bench and, you know, just say he's hurt and let him get ready for the NBA, or is he going to come back? Coach K said he was going to come back for the ACC tournament. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, whether he does or not, you know, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I think he can go both ways, I, whether he should play or just get ready for the NBA. You know, it, it's kind of crazy. Ted, Ted, I don't think we ever got your, um, you know, Gen, or, Gen Xer thoughts on baby whether or not you think baby. <laughs> that's the Gen Xer, that's right. Uh, we never did get your thoughts on, do you think Zion should sit out or do you think he should play? Oh, you know where I'm going to go with this. You're setting me up with that question, aren't you? I think I think no, I think no, there I'm is curious. no doubt in my in my old man viewpoint, and I get millions of dollars are sitting out there. If he is healthy, if he's ninety percent, he should be finishing his commitment to Duke basketball this season. If he wasn't going to, you know what? He should have went and played minor league basketball, or if he didn't want to go to college, but he signed on to play. You gotta play, in my opinion. Your thoughts? My my counter to that is yes. As you remember, you had a hip surgery. Yes. And your commitment to doing a podcast, you took two weeks off. Um, One week. One week on the podcast. You're here. I mean, 
I would say that your abilities were about 100%. Uh, all you had to do was pretty much talk into a, a microphone. <laughs> I had to climb the yeah, steps. And yet, <laughs> yeah, I mean, steps stopped you from. So who's you to say this guy with millions of dollars on the, t- on the table, he's maybe injured. You're telling him to play. If he's 90%, he should play. I don't know. I that just—it sounds a little hollow coming from you. A little bit hypocritical. Well, okay, well that's fair. But what what is your opinion, Jared? What is your opinion on this? My opinion is that he should he should play. If he if he's but if he's not one hundred percent healthy, he should not. My my thought process is that basketball players, and we talked about this a little bit on a previous pod, I believe, is that basketball players they're always going to be pooping. You know, I mean, you go in the offseason, you see Kevin Durant, he's playing at Rucker Park. I mean, they never stop playing. You can always jump into a pickup basketball game, but it's not the same for, like, a football game or, you know, a baseball game. Unless, of course, you lived in the 1950s or in Ted's generation where all they did was play uh, backyard baseball games, even though they they were only had a 500 record. But th- that's beside the point. But, no, I think he should play because basketball players, all he's going to be playing anyway. You might as well play on the biggest stage, which is the NCAA tournament. Might as well weigh in, Matt. I'm with I guess both of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think he should play, but only if he's 100%. I mean, if there's any if there's any question about, you know, the health of his knee, then no, don't play, but if he's ready to go and he's running, playing, jumping, hooping like Jared said, then yeah, get out there and play. Yeah. With and I, I, without a doubt. Matt, can I can we get your thoughts? Uh, do you think it's hypocritical of Ted to call out Zion Williamson in the way he did? <laughs> <laughs> with the hip scenario, is that what you're talking about? Yes, with the hip scenario. <laughs> I, th- I think what the scenario should be to relate it to the three point podcast is the one week Ted was out, Jared and I carried the ship or you know drove the ship, whatever. Right. And we must have been so bad that Ted just <laughs> got up those stairs the best he could so he could be back the next week and do the podcast. Zion should be watching Duke get swept by UNC and be like, "Yo, I got to go out there and play." Yeah, but was it were, was it you guys were so bad, or did I come back because you guys were so good? That's the question. That's the question. <laughs> there was, there was uh, for a while there. Our, our most listened to episode was actually one where Ted was not was not on the show. We had a guest host. Yeah, that's true. That I think that was more about the guests that we had on. <laughs> well, you know, we'd be no offense to your dad. No offense to your dad, Jerry. But <laughs> number, numbers never lie is what I say to that. It could, could have been the guest. I, I just said I threw out a scenario. That that was our most listened to episode for a while. There, facts are facts. All right. Well, we're gonna we got to talk a little Pistons and NBA, uh, and also we uh, we got a little entertainment tonight. So before we get to th- those last couple of things, check out SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. They have another great auction ending March twelfth at the Owasso location. Featured items includes a include a Chrysler Town and Country van, a large assortment of tools including air compressors, tile saws, power tools, and a whole lot more. Also coming a big municipal and construction consignment sale. That ends March 19th. Give them a call at 989-720-SELL for details or go online at SheridanAuctionService.com. You know, guys, you know I'm not a, a day-in, day-out NBA fan, and I'm going to admit right off the top here, I am a front-runner when it comes to the Pistons. And right now, they're playing some pretty good basketball. I, I definitely will be tuning in. We're recording this on Sunday. They won again today. It's now five straight, two in a row over the Bulls. Uh, right now, I'm thinking in the East, you know, again, call me front runner Ted, but I think they might be able to make a little run. Are we in the trust tree here? Yeah. Um, I haven't watched a single Pistons game this entire year. I, I just, I honestly could care less about this team. I, even when they're winning, it's just, I don't, there's just something about them that it's just, it's not intriguing me. If they make the playoffs, I'll watch every single game they're in. 
if, if they play the Pacers, I think they have a shot at beating them. And, I mean, even as we're seeing, they're on a five-game win streak. They've won 12 of their last 14. I don't know about you guys, but it's just I still, like, could really care less. What is it about that, like, why, what, what, what can they do to really drum up, like, some more public interest? I mean, I think it's just start winning consistently. I think That's number you know, one. They've been not very good for so long that there is that, you know, like, disinterest by from the fans. So if they get to the playoffs, and yeah, right now if the playoffs started today, they'd play the Pacers in the first round. I think they could beat the Pacers in a series. So I think that's what they need to do is show the fans that they're actually for real and it's not just like Blake Griffin's here for a couple of years and then they're going to go back to being last place in the East. So, And, and they, I think, I, I'll be honest, I, because I don't get Fox Sports Detroit here in North Carolina, uh, I've only watched three or four games probably. I, I keep up with all their stats and everything online, but – they are kind of fun to watch with Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson kind of playing well. Andre Drummond's been playing really well. So they, they can be fun to watch. But, yeah, they don't have a guy like, you know, James Harden or Steph Curry out there. So, you know, maybe that's why some fans aren't buying in. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll put the truth out there. Have I watched a Piston game this year? No. I've watched, I've watched parts of it. I haven't tuned in and said, man, I, I used to. I, I used to watch the Bad Boys and, uh, you know, the, the Rip Hamilton crew. I used to watch full games, but – I'm starting right now to get to that point, you know, where I, I am going to start checking them out a little bit because they got my interest, and it's all because of the W's. And, you know, you look at it, Griffin's playing well. I mean, he's he's really shown that he has become a leader of that team and, you know, an, an all-NBA-er type. Drummond's playing very well. And let's face it, they definitely have a step up in the coaching department from my, uh, my look-alike clone. I mean, <laughs> Casey's doing a great job. He is. I mean, he's he's proven that he, he won the NBA Coach of the Year last year. He's proven that that was maybe, or it was, a valid award for him to win. But I, I want to ask, so you said you watched the Bad Boys and then the, the Chauncey and Rip days. Yes. Early 80s, early mid-80s before the Bad Boys, did you watch much Pistons? I know TV was different back then, but did you watch much Pistons? Yeah, TV was a lot different then. I mean, Jared would never even be able to relate to that. I mean, you you would get certain games. In fact, Piston games, I think, were on Channel 50, and we didn't get Channel 50 on our cable service at that time. So it was few and far between when you got a national game, but... I actually, to tell you the truth, when when they drafted Isaiah and they started, you know, they were playing at the Silverdome. They had Isaiah and Kelly Trapuca. That's when I started watching the uh, the Pistons intently and kind of watched that whole sequence as they became the bad boys. And from that point on, you know, I watched those two dynasties, and then I haven't watched them recently because they've sucked. Yeah, I think that's part of it. So, right, you need superstars. So yeah. when they had Trapuca and Isaiah, you started watching. Right. I think a lot of people watched the Pistons in, like, the mid to late 90s because of Grant Hill. Right. And then maybe stopped for a few years. And then when Chauncey and Rip came around, you start watching. So so now that Blake Griffin's on the team, maybe they just need to prove that they can win for some fans to come back. So, Ted, can I add, like, why? So, we obviously, we had Blake Griffin. He's a star. I mean, back when I was ten years old, like he was probably my favorite player in the in the entire NBA. Yeah, it's like, and yet he just he didn't give you he didn't give you any reason to watch them before they start take like starting winning some games. No, no, because like I said, I am a front runner, and you gotta you gotta at least put a winning product out there. I mean, you gotta at least have a chance to win, and you know they're solidly in the playoffs right at the moment, and they're making some noise. I mean, what'd you say? Twelve out of fourteen. Uh, mm-hmm. The East is. It's winnable. I mean, who's who's going to run away with the East the way the Celtics have been playing? 76ers are pretty good. I mean, you got to get through Milwaukee, I think, is the, is the team to beat out East, isn't it? 
Yeah, it seems like right now Milwaukee would be the team to beat. The Raptors are good, too. Nah, they're but, good. Yeah, the Celtics are stumbling. The the Sixers have been kind of banged up. So, yeah, if the Pistons can get the Pacers in the first round, I, I think they could. It'd be wild, given where they were, what, like a month or two ago? Yeah, and we were talking they, about they tanking. They won the first round series. We were talking about tanking for the, the draft choice. Right. Which I honestly still think was probably the right. Like we said, I mean, like the poll that was put out to Pistons fans, would you rather have a 7% chance of Zion Williamson or make the playoffs? And 93% of Pistons fans voted that they would rather have a 7% chance of Zion Williamson. Right. And I still agree with that. So I, it's like it's interesting now. Uh, I guess like we got our entertainment as Pistons fans here with them winning some games. But in the long run, what we want them to do is really to be losing, to be tanking, and try to get a shot at like a Zion Williamson or something. Because we're never going to win a title doing what we're doing right now, which is just kind of middle of the pack team. But let me ask, so what's a successful season for you guys in, in your in your eyes? Making Just making it to the playoffs, or do they have to win a, win a, win a playoff matchup? I think a, a successful season, given what probably were the expectations at the beginning of the year, would be winning a playoff series. Because, you know, they had Blake Griffin. They've been centering the team around Andre Drummond. They have a bunch of money in Reggie Jackson. So I think the expectations for this team were to be where they are right now. And you remember, like, early in the year, they, they went on a similar run and had beat the Warriors and, like, a couple other teams. I think they were up to, like, five or six in the East. So I think these were the expectations. They just went on a really bad run and fell far back. So, yeah, I get what you're saying, though. If they just go to the playoffs, lose in the first round, and end up with a whatever, a number 15 pick in the NBA draft, I mean, how, how are you going to – how does that improve you? Yeah, I'd go along with the same thought process, but I'm looking a little bit more optimistic I'm thinking this team, I could use this in my hot take, but I won't. I think this team can make it to the East Finals. I really do. Now, we'll if, see. If they keep playing the way they are right now, there's no reason they couldn't. Because, like, like we just said a few minutes ago, no one in the East, maybe outside of the Bucks, have really, like, just been good, taken over. And the Bucks made a couple moves at the deadline that really made them better. So, it would just be crazy if – if they can do that. they got to stay healthy because they're not very deep. And uh, Jared's boy, Luke Kennard, has started hooping too. So he, him, and, I, that, I was just about to say that him and Langston Galloway have been, like you said, Matt, if they keep playing this way, you know, who knows? I, I don't think it's sustainable. I mean, Luke Kennard and, and Langston Galloway are like shooting like 50% from the three-point line the last few weeks and just shooting like maybe, you know, six or seven a game. So they're shooting incredibly well. But speaking of like making the playoffs or lack thereof, Matt, I noticed you haven't been talking much about your uh, Lakers I'm bandwagon fan. Yeah, it. I, Good segue. And you guys, yeah, you guys know I'm not a LeBron fan. I was, I was excited for him to go to the Lakers because I thought he'd, you know, turn the team around, you know, get him to the playoffs or whatever. But I mean, it's again going back to what I was talking about with Izzo and Beeline. You can admit that LeBron's one of the top five greatest players of all time, but still offer criticism and not be a hater. His effort this year has been terrible. I know he was hurt. You know, he was coming back from that injury and stuff, but. I mean, when you watch the games, because I do still watch Lakers games, they're always on national TV. I mean, his effort's just not there. And, you know, that's what's frustrating is because it's like every year that in LeBron, it's, he's a coach killer. He gets all of his coaches fired. He wants to bring him in his coach. He gets the players on his team that he wants. So these, these clearly weren't the players that he wanted, the young guys. And, I mean, like Ingram, before he got hurt, was playing well. Kuzma was playing well. You know, and Lonzo Ball is one of the best defensive guards in the league, and it's like, I don't know what else he wants. You know, he's just sitting here. I don't know if he's mad they didn't get Anthony Davis or not, but, you know, I people he's, he's a top-five player of all time. He is. He, he's one of the best players of all time, but I don't think people talk about enough, like, what he does to teams when he goes to those teams. 
Where would you rank him as, uh, and I'm just throwing this out on the table, we know uh, talent-wise he's one of the greats of all time. Where would you rank him as far as the most selfish players of all time? The most selfish? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, like when you look at his numbers, that's what one thing people say about him is he's like one of the least selfish superstars of all time because he gets a lot of assists. Mm-hmm. He was always that guy that would like set up his teammates. He wasn't, you know, like Kobe would like take the last shot almost every time. Like Kobe wanted the ball at the end of the game. Maybe sometimes like to his demise, he wanted to take the last shot every time. And LeBron, you know, historically hasn't wanted to do that every time. So people have actually said he's one of the more selfless players of all time in the NBA for superstars. But when you look at that stuff, how he's come in, and Luke Walton was one of the hot, like, up-and-coming coaches in the NBA, and right away he's like, get Luke out of here. I don't, I don't want Luke as a coach. Uh, he's, he's pissed off about Ingram and Kuzma and these guys not getting moved. He wanted – Rondo, McGee, Stevenson, he wanted these veteran players coming in, and the young guys are playing better than those vets. So, I mean, when you look at that stuff, I, th- I think you can criticize him for being selfish in that sense. Ted, would you say would you say that uh, like Magic Johnson, in your eyes, is one of the most like selfless players in the history of uh, the NBA? Uh, again, you're setting me up. Let me think about that a second. <laughs> most selfless players in the NBA? Uh, I thought he was, uh, let's just put it this way, I thought he was a tremendous team player that's what i would say because i would just i would almost say, like say you know the fact that he uh contracted hiv was it was it was pretty <laughs> selfish of him you know acting out not having uh you know safe sex and everything along those lines he had to end up letting his team down he had to retire basically okay, well i didn't and i, I didn't see that almost, coming but okay I, okay I would, say, <laughs> I, I would say that that's almost more selfish of an act but I, but in regards to lebron uh, this season, I'm not going to lie, as I'm a big-time LeBron fan, and Matt, for you just saying that he's a top-five player, that's just egregious. He's a top-two or maybe even the best player of all time. Um, but that's beside the fact. It's been super depressing watching him this year. Like, this is the first time I've honestly felt like, wow, you know, he is aging. You know, yeah. he is human. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he's not the best anymore. And, and it just makes me think, like, I'm not looking forward to the day when I see that with, like, a Tom, when it happens to Tom Brady. I mean, it's coming. Everyone, Time is going to get to some everyone sooner or later, and it's just, it's just been depressing to watch. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that, Jared. Let me just throw this out there, another uh, spot from one of our great partners, Advanced Elevator Company. They feature a top line of field technicians for installation, service, and repair of elevators, an area business leader with proud membership in the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce, longtime supporters of Corona Public Schools. The team at Advanced Elevator says, good luck, Lady Cavaliers, in your quest for a girl's basketball regional championship i don't know how much more basketball we want to talk guys or we want to maybe look at a little entertainment stuff let's hear it tv teddy all right hit my theme all right one more shout out i gotta do it to hbo's by the way jared did you hear i have hbo did you hear that Oh, believe me, we know about your wealth, Mr. Richie Rich. (laughs) But another shout-out to HBO's True Detective Season 3. The season finale recently aired, and for our podcast listeners that watched this season and saw the finale, I'd love to get your thoughts about Season 3 and the conclusion. Hit us up at 3 Point Pod. That's on Twitter or Facebook. Now, guys, I'm not going to go into uh, a lot of details on this next HBO showing, Jared, but... uh, Leaving Neverland, okay, the Michael Jackson documentary, documentary, oh, my God. 
I, if you haven't seen it, I guess I would warn you, if you're a huge Michael Jackson fan, maybe you don't want to watch it, but I got to tell you, it was four hours of intensity, and uh, I, I was just amazed. I could not stop watching it. Thoughts? I, I know, just real quick, I know I've heard some people say both ways, like they're huge Michael Jackson fans, so they don't want to watch it because they don't want to skew, you know, their right. their image of him in their mind. And then, you know, those same, you know, similar fans watch it and it kind of changes their opinion of him and probably rightfully so. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I could give you my opinion now. I could save it, but uh, all I will tell you is if you have HBO or if you can hook up HBO for a month just to watch this, I would say do it. I did see that his daughter Paris tweeted She's uh, obviously getting tired of the haters out there in uh, the Twitter world, but she says her tweet was, smoke some weed and think about the bigger picture. Chillax, my dudes. Huh? What the heck? I guess that's her way of sticking up for her dad, huh? I guess. So did, did the, I mean, without, like, getting too into the details, did they, like, interview people, or was there, like, actual video of interactions, or... Uh, let me and put how it, was it set up? Yeah, let me put it this way. They they interviewed a couple of, of gentlemen now that are adults, James Safechuck from California and Wade Robeson from Australia, and they showed basically how they, they were connected to Michael way back when they were little kids. They were both dancing fanatics, right? And they ended up getting to one of Michael's shows, and one of uh, Jackson's, uh, you know, handlers saw him, and, you know, and then, brought him up on stage and then they started a relationship and they started you know michael started you know inviting the parents to come over and hang out and do the whole celebrity thing so it was one of these things where the celebrity overcame the parents and they kind of turned their turned their head to what probably was going on and what a normal parent would allow and then it just painted the whole picture and i mean it was just it was just mind-boggling it really was I can get the, like, people who don't want to listen to it because even with, like, we, I mean, we're seeing the same sort of storyline with, like, R. Kelly right now. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm not, like, shielding myself from that, but it's, like, I still like his music. I, I mean, it, Ted, actually, you gave me an R. Kelly CD, like, last year. So you, and, and, and in, other, in other words, you kind of, like, enabled um, someone that's not a very good human being. Boy, you're, you're, you're now making things up. It's amazing. No, yes, you did. <laughs> Jay-Z and uh, R. Kelly. Am I right, Matt? Isn't that, an al- isn't that a CD? <laughs> and, and you're saying I gave it to you, huh? Yes, you did. Oh, wow. Why did you just randomly have an R. Kelly CD to give away? Uh, no kidding. It must have been a promotional thing here at the radio station that, that they didn't <laughs> want, right? If you view this, if you're a Michael Jackson fan or not a fan, it's it's must-viewing, I think. I mean, it was it was, it was was really well done. And and you're definitely going to have an opinion one way or another after you after you watch it, uh, Matt. I know you're a television fan, and I was going to throw this out on Tedertainment tonight as well. Uh, Jared will never know about this show called Mad About You. You ever heard of that, Jared? No, I haven't. Uh, before you continue, do you mind if I just ask you one more question about Michael Jackson? Like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. After watching that documentary, are you able to listen to his music the same way? Do you think that you can find yourself, you know, sit there? Listen, like jamming out to "Man in the Mirror" or whatever you like. Well, let really? me put it. Let me put it to you this way: I probably, I probably can, but uh, I have my opinion on Michael Jackson now is solidified to what I thought it was anyway. Let's just put it that way. As, so you are still a fan of? You're still going to listen to the music. You, you're able to separate the man. From I can. Music, I can I separate. Yes, I can separate it. How about you, Matt? I haven't watched a documentary, but like you said, I, I think people kind of have 
have an idea of maybe what kind of person he was behind the scenes. Right. It's kind of similar, I guess, like, Jared, you're saying about R. Kelly. Uh, you know, you, you like his music. I like Chris Brown's music a lot. You know, I, I like a good amount of his songs. But knowing what kind of person he is and the way he's treated, you know, his girlfriends and stuff, it does make it when I listen, when, like, his music comes up on my playlist or whatever, you know, I'm kind of like at first, like, oh, cool, it's a good song. But then my next thought is, man, he's kind of a shitty human being. Yeah. So, you know, like, I, I guess I haven't seen the documentary, so I still really like Michael Jackson's music. Fair enough. Uh, and I'm just real quick on the Mad About You thing. It, it's a sitcom, kind of a rom-com, the kind of things you like, Jared. Uh, they're rebooting it on Spectrum Originals, Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt. I did like the show back in the 90s. Uh, Netflix, Stranger Things coming out on July 4th. Will you watch that? I'm a, I'm a big-time Stranger Things fan, and it sounds like you are. Are you just now like getting into that show? You've been talking about it a lot. No, no. No, I watched both both seasons pretty early on when it first aired. So how about that? I love it. Yeah, that's a good show. I can't wait. I mean, it's it's going to be like over two years since their last season when they finally come out with this one. So right. definitely my, going to be very hyped going into it. Should be good. Also, my wife and I, just before I came out to record the pod, watched on HBO again, Jared. Boy, I love that channel, let me tell you. Uh, Cheshire Murders, about a, a, a heinous murder in uh, Connecticut. It's an HBO documentary. Very good. But I do have one. <laughs> I have, wait, can I? What? I'll be interested to hear what Matt thinks about this. You, the things you watch, like if someone was to like stumble across your like Netflix queue, your HBO uh, queue, like recently watched, they would probably think you're a serial killer with the stuff you watch. True Detective, uh, HBO, Michael Jackson documentary, uh, you like making a murderer. Uh, wh- wh- who's the like handsome killer documentary oh. that you really like as well? Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. You know, I think I, mean, I think you got me on that one because also. I, we're hooked on Dateline, 48 Hours, 2020 Murder Mysteries. You're right. I don't know. I hope the switch doesn't get turned one of these days. Especially, <laughs> oh, I'm definitely into those kind of shows, too. Like, I don't know what it is. They're just really interesting. There was a show on Netflix. The name of it's uh, escaping me right now, but it was really good. It was something like talking to a murderer or something, but it was they talked to guys that are, guys or women that were on death row. Oh, yeah, I've seen and, that. They went. They it was like the only time they've ever been able to like interview these people to put on TV, and the 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 murderers like went through their train of thought and you know basically took you through the whole what put them on death row, and it's like it's interesting. I don't know what it is. It's interesting to see like what these people are thinking, or I don't know what it is. I've always been intrigued by the minds of those kind of people, Ser- serial killers, I mean, even Hitler. People mm-hmm. people are fascinated by Hitler. I mean, think about what goes through a guy's mind like that. I mean, is he truly possessed by Satan? I mean, what what happens to people that, that do what they do? I, you know, the, the, the shame is, and this is, man, we're, we're kind of getting off on a little bit of a tangent <laughs> from Teddy Entertainment tonight, but... Uh, I was, I was talking to my wife when we were watching that show. I forget what it was called, but it's where they talked to, to guys that were on death row. Yeah. And it's a shame. You ask, like, what went wrong? What's wrong with these people? You know, where did they go sideways? I would say nine times out of ten, all the shows that I've watched, stuff like that, these people were somehow abused as kids. Sexually abused, yep, was, like, adopted. Sexually abused, yep. physically abused, or something like that. Right. Their parents somebody older a trusted person you know whoever someone when they were young kids abused them in some way and really just like messed them up and what i kept saying when we were watching the show like to my wife is these people are on death row they murdered someone they did something they deserve to be on death row 
But what about the parents? Where are the parents who screwed these kids' lives up? I mean, they're sitting there, or the uncles, you know, aunts, you know, whoever it was, the family friends, whoever it was that messed them up. They're sexually abusing these kids. They're molesting these kids, doing whatever they're doing, screwing these kids up who are now on death row for the rest of their lives. And who knows what they did with the rest of their lives because they maybe never got caught. Like, that, that stuff, man, that just, maybe because I'm a parent now or whatever, but that stuff really, like, oh, oh, really, would, I don't know, boils my blood a little bit. That would be a real interesting deep dive statistically to find out all these, uh, you know, serial killers, the background. You know, I bet it'd probably be 80 to 90% exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. that's Yeah, it's a shame. That's like a really deep conversation. Um, have you guys ever considered, like, how awesome a video game it would be, like, if you could be, like, in a virtual reality world and just kind of see, like, how long you could last, like, after, like, robbing a bank or something or just, like, being a criminal? Is that it was my big takeaway like that Auto? conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like Grand Theft Auto. You're... You're like you're actually in it. You're living it. Wow. I don't know. Dude, that's video game. <laughs> Next level thinking. That's an. That's yeah, a isn't there? Aren't there some movies like that? Like virtual reality video game movies? Yeah, like Ready Player One. That was a good movie. How yeah, about that yeah, Entertainment yeah. tonight. Well, hey, you can throw something out here. I know Matt. You had a TV show you wanted to maybe throw on the table. Yeah, just real quick, and then we'll see if, if uh, we got Jaredtainment tonight. But <laughs> uh, I, we watched recently. My wife and I. I know it was like a ton of people were talking about it on Facebook and Twitter. Um, abducted in plain sight on Netflix. Right. It's about a family who, one of their daughters, they had three daughters, and one of them uh, ended up getting abducted by, it was a family friend. You know, it was back in like the 70s, a small town. Everyone knew everyone type of thing. They all went to the same church. You know, one of those kind of communities, pre-internet, pre, you know, all that, back back in those days. And their, a family friend was actually like a sicko, obviously. He ended up, he had kid a bunch of like interest in young girls well don't give the ending away i'm gonna watch it i was just gonna say like it was one of those where like when you're watching it now that we know what happened the whole time we're sitting there like these people are just straight up idiots (laughs) to like not see the signs to Uh not like pick up on this stuff but you know they just kept saying over and over that like they just never would have expected something like this wow and it was crazy because they even said like when they called the cops or like the fbi or whatever some of the they talked they they interviewed like the lead investigator in that area I think it was in Utah and he didn't even at that time like they didn't even really know what like child molestation was like they had never done cases like that so you know like nowadays that stuff obviously we're like we're very aware of that stuff but like you know back then it's just crazy to think that like it wasn't even a thought in their mind when stuff was happening that something bad could be happening just how, how many how many crazy. parts was that one no just one oh just one. Yeah, it was, it was like an hour and a half, so like like a movie. But Sweet. Yeah. That's, that's lightweight for you, Ted. That is. I'm going to hop on that one. How about you, Jared? Anything in the entertainment world you no, want to throw out? I have seen that adopted in plain sight. And, Matt, you got it exactly right. The whole time you're just thinking, wow, these people are idiots. It's like I heard it on, I think it was another podcast, where they're, they're just like you're just sitting there thinking, you know, what the bleep, what the bleep that. They're, that's just what they're thinking. You're thinking the whole time watching this. Like it's so obvious what's going on here, yet you can't figure it out. But my like my, my my entertainment tonight, I guess I, I'm not gonna steal your name, Entertainment tonight. That is a great name that you did come up with. Thank you. Uh, it, 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 it it's it also includes my hot take. So I don't know if you guys have seen the new trailer to the Elton John bi- biopic that's coming out called Rocket Man. Yeah. But my hot take is that this is gonna be a better movie than Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. We're gonna be we can we're gonna be able to judge this on Rotten Tomato scores. Uh, it's starring Taron Edgerton and just flat out Elton John's just be- one man. Elton John is better than the entire Queen 
band with Brian May, who's been trying to steal, you know, all of Freddie Mercury's fame the last few months. What a take. Here's a fun fact for you. Did you know that Elton John is has like a jersey like in the rafters of Madison Square Garden? He has performed there 64 times. Wow. It's the, mo- so. it's the most ever, right? Isn't that why? Hasn't Billy Joel yeah. passed him? Billy Joel has a residency Billy there. Joel, Billy Joel also has a, his name. I thought that was interesting. Billy Joel also has uh, his... I don't. I don't know if you'd call it a jersey, but it's in the Raptors as well. Yeah, he plays there. He plays a weekend there once a month. It's crazy. I'll, I'll look at it. I'll watch it. And I'll give you my well, uh, my valid opinion on that. By the way, here's a question. I, I since Jared, uh, you think that I'm not really a legitimate entertainment guy. Without I've never see- said you have seen more movies and TV shows than probably anyone I know. <laughs> well, let me put it this way then: Can I be? A legit entertainment guy with without rushing out to see the most current flicks. Now let me say this: I know I know Jared, you you see all the the new movies right when they come out, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sometimes through an illegal uh, streaming. Service. Well, that's all right. But uh, you know, my sister Mary, she's on your side. She says no. I got to see the current movies when they're released, and you guys have heard me talk about it before. I do spend the money for HBO, Showtime, Cinemax. I watch the movies. I don't have to see them immediately. Some of them I do. I did have to see Bohemian Rhapsody right away, and I pick and choose. But I want to throw this out there. I am on top of TV. I mean, I read a lot about stuff. I'm into the entertainment news. I mean, if anybody wants to test me on entertainment trivia... You're going down. So any of our listeners out there, you want to send some thoughts and comments to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, hit us up at Three Point Pod. That's all i yeah. got to say on that topic. Now, I mean, you, wait, uh, yeah, I mean, just to kind of back you up, yeah, you do know uh, you know all your movies and TV shows. I mean, like you mentioned, you have HBO, Cinemax, Skinemax, uh, Showtime. <laughs> you, have all this, uh, you have all the channels. So. All right, guys, that'll do it for Tedertainment tonight, a long version, longer than I had in mind. But before we wrap up the show and maybe get some a couple more hot takes off, I uh, just want to tell you that CoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. The Cavalier girls basketball team picked up their third straight district championship, beating Ovid Elsie 49-33 Friday night. Catch the Z92.5 radio replay right here at Three Point Podcast and read all about it in the Corona Connection. Hey, are you a business owner and paying too much for your customers' credit cards? Card Service Michiana, they're the experts in business credit card machines and terminals and also service. They'll save you money guaranteed. Call 574-238-1397 or Google them at Card Service Michiana. All right, final uh, thoughts, guys, final hot takes. We heard Jared's. What do you got, Matt? I'm sure both of you guys saw that the last week or so, like everyone's been just going crazy about the Game of Thrones trailer came out. Yeah. And I'm sure Jared's into it. I mean, you're you're all you're Mr. HBO, so I'm sure I'm not a Game of know. Thrones guy Have though. Have you watched that show? No, I, I I watched like the first episode. It was a little slow to me and then there was, I just got to watch my murder mysteries. There's only so many t- so many hours in the day for murder mysteries. Exactly. <laughs> uh but yeah, so my hot take, I haven't watched the show and my hot take is no matter how good that trailer is, I don't think I'm ever going to watch that show. Oh, all right. That's my hot take. I'm seven seasons behind. It's going to take a month for me if I if that's all I did. Watch Game of Thrones for a month straight to catch up. Trailer is cool. I get that it's probably a great show. Probably something I'm never going to watch. Fair point. I haven't watched it. I probably won't either unless I'm laid up again. By the way, uh, we have Jack Strap checking in again. He's going to give us a hot take, and let's see what's going on with our oldest athletic supporter. Well, it's time for the Jack Strap. Hot take. 
Okay, guys, the PC, politically correct, are at it again. Iowa Hawkeye announcer Gary Dolph was suspended back in November of 2018 for criticizing a player. He was performing basketball play-by-play against Pittsburgh, and I guess at halftime he transitioned to a commercial break, or so he thought. He forgot to turn his microphone off, and he was caught on a live microphone saying, quote, Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, why can't we get any good recruits? Pitt gets three in his first year, and we get Daly, who dribbles with his head down into double teams. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He was suspended two games for that? I thought at least he would have said something really nasty about the guy. My goodness, how sensitive are we in this country? A few weeks ago, he was at it again. Only this time, he was suspended for the rest of the basketball season after making a reference to King Kong when describing Maryland star Bruno Fernando in a recent broadcast. He made his comments while wrapping up Tuesday's 66-65 Maryland win over Iowa. Fernando scored the go-ahead basket with seven seconds remaining, and Dolphin was quoted as saying, 12 threes on 22 made baskets. That's some pretty good long-range shooting, and Fernando was King Kong at the end of the game. He was suspended for the season for that? Are you kidding me? He was suspended for comparing a player to King Kong? Our country is so afraid of the PC police that even Doff himself apologized. I'd be curious what he said in private. Plain and simple, he loves his job, so he simply played along with the tidal wave of the PC movement by issuing an immediate apology to save the job he loves. Come on, people. First of all, King Kong is about (coughs) as universal for a strong man as you can get. If he would have said giant, he probably would have offended people over seven feet tall. Does that mean if we call Yao Ming Godzilla, we're offending the Chinese? Granted, this culture at this time, probably not the best choice of words, Mr. Dolph, to describe a big black man. But, in my opinion, the fact that it was highlighted reflects more on the racial views of those who were sensitive enough to point it out. Get a life! The Iowa Athletic Director could have been a hero, in my opinion, showing some King Kong shy's balls. You try saying that eight times in a row. By saying publicly, look the other way, people. Nothing going on here. Keep moving. He simply referenced a cultural icon and was not attempting to make a racially insensitive comment. The PC police won another battle based on fear of litigation or the anticipated black lash our campus protest that was sure to erupt. Oh, man, looks like the days of colorful announcers are over. Harry Carey would have been fired before he ever called a game. The result of this, it'll trigger more and more robotic, robotic, robotic sports announcers who like the flavor vanilla. I gotta go, guys. See ya. Uh, Good stuff by Jack Strap. He always has an opinion, and, you know, in some ways... In some ways, I agree with him, but in some ways, you know, the way that society has gone nowadays, it, it, it probably doesn't hurt to be PC. Do you guys know what I mean? I mean, we're in the broadcasting business. You, you do have to be careful to what you say or what you put online because it's there forever. Ted, didn't um, your competitor over WOAP 
Brady in an interview with Logan LePage after the game say, with no name like Logan LePage, you're either going to be an NBA uh, player or a porn star. Absolutely. Almost verbatim. Yeah. Wow. On a high school did, game. Did they get any heat for that? Uh, apparently, because Jared heard about it somehow. Yeah, that, that's that's not something you can say to to anyone. No. Well, I won't. I won't belittle my competitors out there, but boy, you just have to hear them to believe it. That's all I can say. Have yeah, you ever like had you said, any you gotta... like that? Uh, one time. One time, I had somebody complain to the radio station because, and, and you guys are going to laugh at this. I mean, this is in the '80s, and I I said. Uh, Something along the lines of either the referee's call pretty much sucked or that play pretty much sucked. Somebody took offense with the word sucked and said that it uh, it was conducive to a sexual act. Let's just leave it at oh, that gee. point. And that's that's how literal they took it. And and I, I felt a little bad about it. I thought, well, this is BS, really. Uh, I did. I ended up calling the guy. And, and and apologized because apparently it hurt his feelings, and it, it all blew over. But that's the one and only time where I mean I've said plenty of times people's names wrong. In fact, the other night Mariah Duncan she had a couple of blocks. And and think about this, Mariah Duncan and I, I and in my recap I'm saying yeah Mariah Duncan had a couple of dunks. <laughs> and then I had somebody at the game the other night said he came up to me and goes. Did she really dunk the ball twice? And I'm thinking, oh, what a moron. So you never know what you say in live radio, right? All right, I think that's going to do it for now. A nice, hot podcast, Michigan, Michigan State. Let's hope uh, round three happens in the Big Ten tournaments. And if you like this show, share Three Point Podcast with all your friends and family. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or other podcast hosting sites. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and now on Facebook at Three Point Pod. Thanks again to our Three Point Podcast partners, Advanced Elevator Company, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Corona Public Schools. This has been a Three Point Podcast production in conjunction with Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Thanks again for listening to Three Point Podcast. How could I ever-